and welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and up top, I would like to send a special thank you to Amy for donating to the show. Thank you so much, Amy. I really appreciate your generosity. Helps to keep the show up and running. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who has sent such lovely emails and who I've gotten a chance to talk to at various events this week. It's so wonderful to hear how much all of you are enjoying the show. You are the best. So just thank you to everyone who is listening and supporting the show. I really appreciate it. And in other news, this weekend, I had the opportunity to go to DreamWorks and check out the sneak peek of Voltron, which will be premiering on Netflix on June 10th. And guys, it was amazing. It was a really good show. If you like action shows, if you like anime, if you just like a really well-told story with good animation, it's a really good show. So make sure to check it out over on Netflix. And also over at Hero Complex Gallery, they're currently doing an exhibition featuring art from the show, as well as art inspired by the show. And you should check out the gallery because the posters and pens and plushies and paintings that they have based on the show are expertly done. It's really well done. Some of the art is from artists who worked on the show. Some of the art is from some of their gallery artists that they have exhibiting at the show. It's a really good show, so make sure to check it out. They're in Los Angeles, and they're open Wednesday through Sunday, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m., and their website is www.hcgart.com. That's H as in hero, C as in complex, G as in gallery, art.com. So if you're going to be in the L.A. area anytime within the next couple of weeks, make sure to drop by, say hello, buy a print, get a t-shirt. They have some really cool stuff happening over there. And just make sure to watch the show. It's really cool. And I'm very excited to be bringing you part two of my interview with Daria Yermina. In this episode, Daria talks about what it was like working over at Leica, as well as her personal project that she's currently working on now that she is freelancing. And she also discusses what it's like giving lectures over at Expression College in San Jose, California. I know that all of you will enjoy hearing what Daria has to say. So without further ado, on with the show. Excellent. We'll, we'll get into Leica now. So mm-hmm. how did you become a junior RP rigger at Leica? Yeah. What was that process like? Yeah, well, so I went for the interview and they liked me, I guess, and offered me a job. <laughs> and I accepted well, it. Did you just apply online or did you know someone who's there? Like, what was that process like? I did apply online, but that was years before they offered me, they offered to interview me. I also met, I met a recruiter at school during the careers day. I met a recruiter from there. And then, uh, yeah, but when I met her, she said that there was no job opening there. But I still, so she still took, her, took my resume and everything. And I forgot about that completely. But then at some point, a friend of mine, Charles, he contacted me saying, oh, hey, I saw your resume on my supervisor's desk at Leica. I didn't know you applied for a job. That's really cool. I totally recommended you. And it would be awesome to work with you. So yeah, so then then they contacted me. And yeah, and the rest is history. <laughs> That's amazing and impressive that they kept your resume 
for years. I always yeah. thought that it was six months to a year and that was it. But that's pretty great that they held on to it and that, that someone saw that. Yeah, I actually, I don't even remember now. Maybe I resent the resume at some point or something. But yeah, the, the point was that I met the recruiter and then, yeah, and then they were already looking at my resume. But because I had a friend who was working there, they could like refer me when they saw, when, when the friend saw that, that they're looking at my work. So yeah, so like it's all those things came together. So yeah. Great combination. So yeah. then you're at Leica. Uh -huh. And what was that experience like compared to the other studios that you had worked at previously? Yeah, it was awesome. So I was part of, so I was working in the rapid prototyping department. And that's the one where they 3D print uh, the faces for the replacement animation. Uh, so the way uh, their process is, so it's a stop motion company and they do stop motion animation, but all their faces, they first model and rig and animate in CG, and then they print them out on 3D printer and use those for animation. So that was like completely different from anything I've done before. And it was amazing like to be able to touch, physically touch something that you rigged in a computer. That was so crazy. I mean, that created different problems that you would experience in like strictly CG production like you can't get things get too thin or too thick or like you can't have jaw intersect the face and so things like that that you have to worry about that you would never worry about in any other production that was definitely a very different experience and what was it like being there because i know that you know like is a fairly sizable studio at this point and I imagine that it was bigger than some of the other studios that you were at, uh, save for Tippet. So what was it like being at a, a larger studio? Yeah, no, Tippet is actually pretty small. Tippet is like 100 oh, really? and something people, uh, I think. Oh, I didn't yeah. know. Yeah, Leica is always between 300 and 400 people, depending on where in production they are. I might be I might be getting the numbers slightly wrong, but it's around, it's, it's in that, it's in that area. So yeah, yeah, that was definitely different. It was definitely much bigger than in anywhere else I worked at. And yeah, the pipeline becomes different the more people you have. And sort of the administration process is different in a bigger company than a smaller company. Yeah, but all those things you kind of get used to. And like at the end of the day, I try not to think about those that much, but like more focus on, on the work at hand. How long did it take for you to be able to just focus on the work at hand rather than going in and going, oh my gosh, I'm at Leica, what do I do? Oh. <laughs> uh, I guess after about a month or so, you get kind of used. Because when I first started working there, like everything was new to me. Like all the tools are different. All the, first of all, like all the tools are triggered to work. Well, first, working with 3D printing and working with preparing your rigs for 3D printing is very different. So you have to get used to that. Then you have to get used to all the proprietary tools. And for me also, it was getting used to a Linux pipeline and getting used to version control and how they're different, how you use different repositories and, and things like that. So yeah, but that took about, I guess, a month to be sort of 
sort of okay with it and about half a year to get comfortable with it. All right. Yeah. And then how are you able to transition from being a, a rigger to being a junior technical director? Yeah, so the great thing about our P department is that, so the rigging team uh, was about five people, was it five? like four or five. And yeah, when I came in, it was five and then it was four. Uh, later on, it was four. So because of that, so riggers do a lot of tool writing there too. And I like, I enjoy writing tools and doing like the more programming side of rigging much more. So I was trying to get, so whenever there was an opportunity to like pick what to do, I would always pick tool writing to rigging. And my supervisor, uh, Mike Laubach, he was really, he was a really good supervisor in general, but he was also really good at targeting people's work to their strength. So he kind of kept giving me more like programming things to do, opposed to rigging things to do. And so at some point in production, they didn't need as many riggers, but they could use another technical director. And so they transferred me into a technical director, like a TD department. So I was, yes, that, that's how I transferred to work there. And that was awesome to like writing tools and, and, and such for them. It was really great. All right. And what were some of your responsibilities as a TD? Yeah, just coding, <laughs> coding and, and, and stuff. Yeah. So basically the way it went is that someone would want a tool to be created or changed and they would come up to me and say, hey, we want this tool to do that other thing. And then we would either, like if it's some, something small, then I would just come in and do that. Or if it's something big, then I would bring it up on the TDs. Like, so there were, so there's a whole department of TDs. So then I would bring that up at the meeting that we would have. And they would say, okay, you'll be working on that tool then. But yeah, it's definitely, it's a lot of, like a lot of that is a communication between the artists and the technical team. And that, that was, that was fun, especially like, because you start, knowing people and they know you and so they know what kind of tools you worked on and what kind of tools you want to work on and as that so like I had supervisors who would have to kind of tell me what tools to write and what to work on but at the same time they kind of gave me a lot of like they were really good at giving me a lot of freedom to do things I wanted to do as long as as long as it was beneficial for production and as long as it was what the artists wanted. All right, very good. So you worked on a Kubo and the two strings, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. How how was that experience? That was great. Yeah, like all the characters were really interesting and they had to solve a lot of problems with with many of them. So like for example, they have a monkey character with all that fur and they have to like figure out how to deal with that. And yeah, and there's a beetle character and I worked on the human characters. So I worked on, on the background. So I was responsible for the background characters to make sure like that they're rigged and that they're prepared for 3d printing and, and things like that. 
That's great. So when we watch the movie, which is coming out later this year, uh-huh. and you see all the background characters, we can think of you. Yeah, and go, yeah exactly. There is Daria's work. Yeah, well, so some of the background, so most of the background characters actually, it was me and another rigger who worked on them. So like the other rigger, like from a different department, even at like uh, created the base rigs, and I and I worked on the rigs that are specific rigs for three D printing. So yeah, there there are always a lot of people involved in in production of those things. But yes, think of me. Well, we'll think of you and we'll, we'll think of everyone else yeah. who is also there. We, yeah. know we, we know you by name and hopefully we'll get to know all of them by name as well. Yeah, I just the, don't want to take too much credit for, oh, no. for... Oh, no. It's definitely, <laughs> definitely a team effort to make a film. Yeah. So we'll just think of all of the like a team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you've gotten to work in games. You've gotten to work on shorts. You've gotten to work on films. Yeah. And I'm Is there anything left that you haven't tackled that you still want to work on? <laughs> well, actually right now I'm working on a game again, but this time it's so the reason uh why I kinda left Leica was because well so part of the reason was because my contract ended and then I had to make a choice of whether I want to extend my contract or not. And for the past three years I've been working on this video game project just on my own, this indie game uh that I'm doing. And so I decided that, so I had, I had enough savings and such, and I decided that for the next uh, two years or so, I want to just do some freelance work, but mainly work on my game. And that's been going great so far. Can you tell us the name of the game? Yes. I know that there's certain <laughs> details that are, are would be coming out later, but is there anything you can tell us about the game? Yeah, right it's now? called it's called The Land Forgotten, and it's it's an adventure puzzle game. And so there is something that connects all the puzzles, which makes this game kind of unique and interesting. That I can't talk about right now because that would be kind of major spoiler uh, of the game. But it's basically challenging adventure puzzle game it's 2d and i feel like with it i'm kind of combining all my experiences um in a way because so puzzles are very scientific which kind of plays into my first like science background with philology but then also so i mentioned the first job of mine which was working for working on this game like kind of, they call them game for games for girls i guess and so with this game i wanted to kind of have a video game with a main female protagonist but that wouldn't be about about something something like shopping or or whatnot i wanted this game to be very exploration kind of game and very interesting and challenging puzzle game because a lot of times i feel like i play a puzzle game and i feel like they take me as an idiot do they think I won't be able to solve this? Yeah, and that's not to, by the way, diminish all puzzle games. There are some really great puzzle games out there, and I hope to create one that would be as as great and and hopefully important to people. It's a game about this young girl who is trying to learn magic and so goes on a quest to discover herself and and her abilities and she travels around the world with her friend who's a rat and so it's kind of about their communications and them learning about this world through solving through having the player solve all these puzzles 
So yeah, so I've been working on it for three years while having other jobs. So obviously it's a very important game for me. And I think in about two years, it will be done and released. That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and I like the fact that you're creating something on your own, which is always great, with a good female protagonist. And that is a puzzle game. Because you're right, some puzzle games are, you know, there's all types. But I like the fact that you're going for the more adventure story type route with your game. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy about that, too. <laughs> you like... That is, that is good. Do you like, like, adventure uh, story games? I actually don't play a whole lot of video Uh games, but I have a lot of friends who are in the gaming industry. And so Uh I've started to learn a lot more about how all of that works. And it's been really interesting for me, just, you know, just on a a personal note, just getting to hear like them talking about it and finding out what's out there and what people like and what people don't like. And I especially like that. I feel like gaming is opening up now so that it's for everybody. Mm -hmm. Because before, feel like it was focused mainly for boys mm-hmm. or mainly for men. And I feel like it's gotten to the point now where it's games can be for everybody. Everyone likes games in some form or fashion, whether they be video games or not. Yeah. So everyone can have the opportunity now to find something that they like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I agree. It definitely yeah. like for me, I never even considered myself like that big of a gamer, but there definitely were games that I really liked when growing up and so it was always kind of sad to me that they distinguish so much that okay these majority of games we're gonna have things that are focused to male players which weren't necessarily interesting to me and sometimes felt upright offensive like you know the whole thing of having female warriors with very little armor on, yeah, um, where, where they would easily get stabbed and die yeah, if they were yeah, actually exactly. out in battle. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm I'm happy that it's kind of people are realizing that and bringing that up as as an issue now. And and with indie games, there's so many interesting things coming out now. Yeah, I like the indie game explosion because I feel like it's gotten to the point too where now now people have the ability to create their own games. It Mm -hmm. seems like that, I mean, that wasn't always the case, but just the way technology is moving, you can make your own game now from your own home. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you can work at it with a team of people and get it out to market and advertise it yourself and have other people discover it. Definitely, yes. And with engines that they're making now, they're very indie developers friendly. I guess where like a small team or, or even just one person can create can create a game using those. Now you said you've been working on this game for three years. Have you been working on it by yourself or are you eventually going to get a team of people together to help you with it? Yeah, I have a team. So I started working on it by myself and then kinda there were some people that, that started helping out. And now after so after I left Leica and just started focusing on the game exclusively, I the team got bigger a bit, but it's all either contractors or people who are working like just for basically for profit share and and just doing it in their free time from work just because they really believe in in the game and the idea for it. Uh, so if you count everybody, it will be about eleven people, including me, or maybe twelve, including me. But at the moment right now, so we have 
we kind of utilize people whenever I utilize people whenever there is a need for them. So at some point there was a lot of need for artwork, and that's when I got a lot of artists to help me out that I just found online for the contract to work as contractors. Yeah, and now there's not much need for that. So right now they're all kind of resting and doing their their stuff, and I will contact them again when there's more artwork needed. But at the same time, right now, I'm working with the writer uh, for the game, who was a really lucky find, too. And so I'm working with him on like some story development and dialogues and all that. And there is there is a programmer who, who so he works at Intel during gets his day job, and he helps uh, he helps with the game like in his free time. That's been great. And one of the animators, well, the only animator at, at the moment, she works at Leica, and that's where I found her. She she works in as an animator in RP department, the one I worked at. And she's been great, and she's been helping with animation and doing all that. Do you have any tips and suggestions for anyone else out there who wants to create their own game and assemble or team or just, you know, have their own project in general? I know. Just go for it, I guess. Well, I'm also, I'm kind of afraid to give suggestions on that because I haven't shipped a game yet. So maybe everything I'm doing is <laughs> it's not going to work out. Who knows? Yeah, but just do it. Like, I feel like as long as there is something you're really passionate about, then there's nothing that will stop you. I mean, it helps to know some coding and or or have strengths and other strengths and other things but i don't like i think with me i don't consider myself like a great amazing programmer like i don't have like a computer, a computer science degree or anything but i know like i know enough to be able to work with unity and 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 write my game in in c sharp but then i have little experience for example with game design but then all that, I kind of learn with trial and error. So especially, and that's probably why it's taking me so long at this point, because like I'm trying to make a game, trying to make my vertical slice or whatever. And then I realize, okay, these things are not working. So I'll redo them or change them and make them differently. But it makes for a better game. But yeah, because I feel like because my strengths are in kind of, in a lot of areas, but so my real strength is probably in rigging because that's something I've been doing for for the longest. But there is no the game is 2D, so there is no rigging <laughs> involved. But with everything else, I think just yeah, like I was lucky to find really good people to work on it, and yeah, hopefully having a bit of experience in everything helps sort of guide people and get the results I, I want from them. Besides, you know, your former uh, co-worker at Leica, you mm -hmm. mentioned that you found different people online. Are there any websites that you recommend for going to find contractors? Uh, not, well, okay, there is something, Behance, I think, Adobe, Adobe's website for people, for artists that I used a lot. And that's where I found all the artists for my game, most artists for my game, because so all my game, 
is done in watercolors. And I really wanted, so like the story of the game has to do a lot with books and translating books and, and things like that. So I wanted all of them to look like 19th century book illustrations or something. And it's really difficult to find people with strong watercolor skills. So that website helped a lot. Then there is, um, what's it called? Digital, uh, dig, no, dig, digital art? No, digital. Oh, uh, uh, DeviantArt? Yeah, DeviantArt, that's right. So I was looking at that too for, for some artists, but I don't think I ended up contacting anyone from there. I felt like that one, like Behance, I thought was easier for me to kind of, to find specifically people with skills that I was looking for. Like DNArt has way too much stuff and way too many levels of artwork. Behance had kind of stronger, I think stronger people on there. But yeah, some people I found completely like in the weirdest ways. A person who helps me with coding, Cristiano, I found him at one of the game developers meetups in Portland. And then the writer for my project, I found him in a completely strange way. So there is this a BBC a show called University Challenge. I don't know. Have you heard of it? I haven't heard of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah tell us tell us about it, because this, no. this is brand new info for me, too. So apparently it's really big in Britain. They show it on BBC One, I guess. And yeah, and so a lot of people watch it, which I didn't know then. I thought it's just this weird show that I accidentally started watching. And <laughs> Turns out it's this huge phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so he was the, he was in the, t so it's, it's this program where people from universities in Britain compete with each other, like answering questions and so on. And he was in the team that won uh, last year, I think. And he was answering about some, que uh, some questions about writers who I thought like are really applicable to my game and like to what I'm trying to convey with my game. And then I saw him and some other programs, some other television program in, in England. And yeah, and I thought, oh, that guy seems like he, he knows what he's talking about and, and, and like he likes writers that are kind of influential to me as well. So I just contacted him. And <laughs> I love it. You saw a guy on television and went, he's the guy. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. find him. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I contacted him and uh, we talked for a bit and he sent me some. So he studied philosophy at Cambridge and which was really philosophy and biology, biology and philosophy. And that was perfect for someone to write for my game because my game was all about like this kind of clash between science and philosophy. And so I thought, oh my God, this is perfect. So I read some of his academical work and some of his fictional work because he writes fiction as well. And it was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I found a perfect person. Yeah, and, and he was interested in the game, so he joined the project. And only later I found out just meeting random people from Britain that they actually know him, you know, from, <laughs> from TV. So that was like so, such a bizarre experience. So that was the weirdest way I found someone for my team. And it was really great. And right now he's contributing some really great work to, to the game.
Yeah. I love it. I love the fact that you, you just went out and just reached out to all different types of people. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You know, because I feel like a lot of times people might be intimidated to go out and try to find someone. But you just said, you know what? No, that's the person I want to talk to. I'm just going to go and talk to them. Yeah, you did so. that for everybody. Yeah, I guess so. Well, you have to try or if you don't try. A lot of times I contact people and nothing happens. But sometimes it works. I guess if you try enough times, something will come out of it. Yeah, I mean, some people I, I just went to school with who are helping out in the game, like uh, Rexma, who who did a lot of artwork for the game, a lot of like most of the concept artwork. He's amazing. He worked at EA for a bit, and right now I'm actually not sure what he's doing now, but yeah, he's been he's been really helpful. And him I just met met at school. Like I just randomly saw him in the lab once, and the character he was working on felt that style kind of could fit with my game. That's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. Now I'm actually teaching. Uh, like I, I ended up, uh, like instead of freelancing, I ended up teaching. So I teach like two times uh, a week and I work in a game for the rest of the, for the rest of the week. So that works out perfectly. That's great. Where do you teach? I teach expressions in San Jose. All right. And are you teaching rigging or are you teaching a, another subject? Yeah. Rigging and mocap. Um, so they're using me as a guest lecturer, which is, I guess, so because I don't have a master's degree, I can't work there as like a, an, an official teacher. So I take classes from another teacher and teach those. So most of those are in mocap. Some of them are in rigging. Some of them are in current industry techniques, where I mainly talk about rigging and scripting and such. What's it like being on the other side now? Being on the side of the educator and instructing all of the students? Oh yeah, this is weird, but I love it. Actually, I didn't think I would enjoy it that much, but it's like my favorite thing to do now. Just because you really feel, you see the feedback right away that you're helping someone. Because when you work on your thing, be it your own project, or especially if you work in a company, then you do something and you don't see it in the theater until like two years from when you do it, from when you make it. But when you teach, it's right away you get feedback and right away you feel like you help somebody. I mean, if students are interested, if students are not interested, then it's kind of a drag. You feel like you're just talking for, for nobody. <laughs> you're just yeah. kind of talking. It's like, well, okay. It's just kind of going out there. Yeah, but and I feel like... Most students are interested to learn new things, and and it's really great. Like it's really great to be able to share some things with them, and especially because there were a lot of things that I kind of feel like I wish I would have learned in rigging and in scripting, and I can teach them the way that I think are more understandable to students. All right, and that actually leads to my next question, which mm -hmm. is now that you moved here, you went to school, you had a wide variety of experiences at work, you're working on your own game, and now that you're teaching, you know, next generation of students, for those students out there, or for anybody out there that's interested in doing what you're doing, and you already kind of touched on this a little bit, but what are some common challenges or common questions that you're getting from your students and that you had that you feel like you can answer now? I think it's almost not as much about questions, but about principles and the way you 
sort of approach rigging because I think the way like the way I was taught rigging and the way I see and the way I see it being taught is kind of like a step by step process of what you should be doing. Like okay, first you put in joints here, and then you put controls, and then you put your AK handles, and then you click here, and then you click here. And it's any you can teach a program to do that. You don't need what we humans are great at is kind of understanding why things are for and like making those kinds of connections. And I think this is these are kind of important things to understand why the conceptual part of rigging. Why are we doing certain things? Why do we need these areas to be affected by these by these joints or 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 by these influences? And once you kind of understand that and once you understand what are you doing all of these steps for? That's when I think you, you're able to create your own interesting rigs and your own interesting tools. Excellent. Very good. Mm -hmm. And besides your game, which I know is your biggest personal project you're working mm -hmm. on right now, but do you have any other personal projects that you're currently working on? Not the ones I'm currently working on. I've made some short films prior to this game. So I went into the industry because I saw film as a way to sort of express yourself. So because of that, I was creating short films throughout a learning and working. So I made three short films, two of which are online. I made, so the first thing I ever made was the Super 8mm film, The Train. And then the next thing I made was a stop motion movie, which... I took off from being online because I'm just not happy with it anymore. But it was called Gathering Stones Together. Then I made a film based on the poem by Roger McGough, First Day at School, which was a 2D film, which you can see online. Both The Train and The First Day at School, they were really important things for me, and I'm happy I made them. But right now I see how the technical problems with them and they feel very even though i think they're important they feel very like student like i guess and hopefully after all the experience i got with this game i don't like this word professional looking but but for the lack of the better thing i feel like it can be more professional it can have more professional feel to it sounds good so is there anything that I haven't asked or anything that you really want to share with the world? No, I think that's it. I, I feel like all my life is now, <laughs> it's now <laughs> been talked about. Yeah. yeah so, so people now know, know all about you. So, so where can people find you online and find your work? So right now I don't really have any, like I would love to share something about my game mainly, but I don't have, this is actually the first time I'm announcing it. Really, I haven't. I don't have anything about it online yet. My short films, you can see, and my reel. My reel hasn't been updated for years, but you can see all that on my Vimeo channel if you just Google my name and if you type in Daria Hiram in the demo reel, it will it will be the first thing that pops up. And we'll put that in the show notes so that sure, people yeah. can take a look at it because it's. It's an excellent reel. Oh, I think you. it's really, I really do. I've seen, having watched a lot of reels for a lot of different things, yours is very, very good. And I think it's 
you know, a very good uh, piece of work that people should take a look at, especially if you're creating a reel yourself, you know, and creating a reel for like rigging. It's a really good one to look at. Oh, thank you, Angela. That's really nice to hear. All right. Well, Daria, thank you so much mm-hmm. for taking the time to talk with me today. This has been wonderful. And I've learned I've learned quite a bit, not only about rigging, but a lot about you that I didn't know before. So that's always fun getting to learn more about people. Yeah, again, thanks a lot for having me. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And that concludes part two of my interview with Daria. Special thanks to Daria for being on the show. I'll make sure to include a link to her reel in the show notes. It is fantastic. All of you should watch it. And thank you all for listening today. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to leave a review in iTunes. All of your wonderfully positive reviews help more and more people to find the show. And I appreciate each and every review that I've received so far. Thank you so much for everyone for listening. And if you'd like to donate to the show, you can visit www.theanimatedjourney.com and click on the PayPal button on the right-hand side. Every donation helps me to keep the show up and running and helps to pay for tech costs like web hosting and whatnot. And thanks again to Amy and to everyone who has donated to the program. I appreciate each and every one of you. It means a lot to me. And if you would also like to support the show, you can support our sponsors. Our featured sponsor of the month is Loot Crate. Loot Crate is your place to go for all the greatest in pop culture and nerd and geeky fun. When you subscribe to Loot Crate every month, they send you a box filled with goodness, t-shirts, keychains, hats, all of that wonderful stuff based on a pop culture icon or pop culture event or a movie that they currently have going on. For example, June is dystopia, so your Loot Crate box for the month of June focuses on that theme. And right now they have a promo going on where if you click on the banner ad on my site and then type in Looter3, that's L-O-O-T-R-3, you get $3 off your first subscription. So make sure to check them out. And also, if you're interested in just buying anything online, listening to an audiobook, or creating your very own podcast, make sure to check out our other sponsors, Amazon, Audible, and Blueberry website hosting. Every time you visit theanimatedjourney.com and click on the banner ads for one of our sponsors and then go about your regular everyday shopping, a little bit of money comes back to the show and it helps keep everything up and running. So thank you to all of the sponsors for our show and thank you to everyone out there listening who has supported the show by supporting our sponsors. Our sponsors appreciate it, I appreciate it, and you're getting some really cool things in the process. So thank you once again. And if you want to check out what's going on with the show online, you can become a fan on Facebook by visiting www.facebook.com slash The Animated Journey. You can check out the Twitter page at AnimJourney, Instagram at AnimJourney, And if you want to see what I've been up to lately, you can check out my website portfolio, www.sketchysoul.com. On Tumblr, that's www.sketchysoul.tumblr.com. Twitter handle is at sketchysoul. And on Instagram, I'm at sketchy underscore soul. So until next time, thank you everyone for listening. Be encouraged and have a great day, everybody. Bye.